What's up, guys? Dr. Andrew Fix here from The Code. And I want to encourage you to check out our friends at Flux Footwear, the only shoe with an adaptive sole that moves and flexes with you. Since I got my first pair, they've been one of my favorite shoes to wear no matter what activity I'm doing throughout the day. If you're looking for a shoe that can keep up with you're going to the gym, to the office, traveling, or just catching a coffee date, you're looking for Flux. Visit the link in the show notes or check out my Instagram to get 10% off and pick up your pair today. Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. What's going on, guys? Dr. Andrew Fix back for another episode on The Code. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. It is morning time today uh, as of my recording of this, but whatever time you're listening, however you're listening, really appreciate your time being here. And um, hopefully you get something of value out of this. We're going to talk about a trendy topic in the world of fitness, the world of health and wellness, uh, and that is HRV, and that stands for heart rate variability. So admittedly, this has been an area like this is a number or a metric that I've been tracking because I've been wearing a whoop band for a while now. I actually wore it for about a year and a half, took about a year off, and then I started wearing one again. Uh, But anyways, heart rate variability is something that I wouldn't say that I was overly educated on. It wasn't something that was like overly understood all the finite details, but I've been doing some research on it. Wanted to do this podcast episode with you guys, and um, we're going to get into it and dive into the details just a little bit about it. Now, that being said, when I say we're going to dive into the details, I don't necessarily think understanding HRV to a T makes you any better at manipulating it. There are lifestyle factors that we can do that we're going to get into that can manipulate your HRV, and you can do all of those things whether or not you understand every little detail there is to know about HRV. So um, if you have any sort of a heart rate monitoring system, that could be a whoop band, that might be an aura ring. I know some watches, I believe, are are measuring this now, um, other heart rate monitors, but monitoring your heart rate, monitoring your heart rhythm is how this is done, right? So literally what the heart rate variability is, is it's the time interval between your heartbeats, or if you're looking at an EKG or a heart um, heart scan and the lines that that spits out, the time between the peaks, which is called the RR interval, the time between the peaks of the heart rate is what the heart rate variability is. And typically this is measured in milliseconds, right? So imagine you have a heart rate of 60 beats per minute. That does not necessarily mean that the time in between each one of those is exactly one second, right? Some of those are going to be closer together than others. And so this measure, this heart rate variability is averaging out the time distance in between each of those. And why do we monitor this or why is this even important? Well, HRV can be used as a measure of like resilience of your body, particularly your 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 cardiovascular system, right? Resilience and your physiological flexibility. How responsive is your body? 
to change an input. And we're gonna we're gonna get into what that input is. But generally speaking, the higher the HRV, the more responsive your body is, and your lower your HRV, the more stimulus or the more input is gonna be needed in order to elicit the same response or elicit the response that your body is looking for. And well, where does that come from? Right? What gives what gives us this number? What gives us the response? Well, ultimately, the vast majority of our input to our heart, to our cardiovascular system comes from the autonomic nervous system. That's ANS. And not everyone is familiar with what the autonomic nervous system is, but almost everybody is familiar with the parasympathetic compared to the sympathetic nervous system. Or if you're not familiar with those terms, you've probably heard them described as the parasympathetic nervous system or your PNS is your rest and digest. And the sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight, right? One ramps you up, one calms you down and your heart rate and the, you know, level of energy that you have changes in response to that. So when we need to conserve energy, when we need to digest food, when we need to sleep, we want that parasympathetic nervous system to be, you know, putting in the majority of the input to our heart, to our body so that we can do that, so that we can downregulate, turn things off and relax. But especially if you think about evolution, you know, if there's a time where an animal needs to hunt, there's a time where humans need to hunt. If there's a time where you're, you're in a fight, right. Or, you know, somebody is coming after you, you want that fight or flight response. You want that sympathetic nervous system input to be really driving forward so that it can elevate your heart rate, boost your blood pressure, get the blood and the oxygen to the tissues that need it for you to be able to perform. Well, okay. Most of us aren't running for our lives, but what a lot of us are doing is maybe we're playing sports. Maybe we're exercising. Maybe, you know, you saw a child run out into the road after a ball that they lost and a car was coming. Well, you want your fight or flight response, your sympathetic nervous system to boost so that you can quickly run out there, grab that child, get him out of the way of harm, right? Um, and you don't want there to be a delay in that. Well, HRV and a lot of these sources that I was looking at um, on the computer earlier, doing some research on, you know, figuring out the details about the HRV would suggest that the higher your HRV is, the more responsive your body is to each of these inputs, the quicker your body can make that change and flip the switch from on to off and vice versa, which is good because you want to be responsive to both. I was just recently watching a few weeks ago, the um, Amazon Prime series. Reacher. And I've been reading some Jack Reacher books. Maybe you've seen this. Well, that's what came to mind when I thought about somebody who is highly responsive to both the sympathetic and the parasympathetic response, because multiple times in that series, you know, they're, they're obviously fighting and there's a lot of violence going on. And he's highly driven by this sympathetic response. But then whenever they have a chance to break, maybe they're briefly in a hotel room, he will say to his, you know, his uh, partners, okay, I'm going to get some shut eye. I'm just going to go to sleep. And they all sort of look at him like, how can you sleep right now? And he's like, well, when we've got time, we've got to, we've got to sleep. So he, he's able to shut it off and get some sleep. Now, that's something that I probably struggle with, right? Like, I don't nap well on airplanes. I don't nap well during the day. I also tend to have, um, comparatively speaking to other people, my same age and fitness level, a slightly lower HRV which would indicate for me that I'm probably being more dominated by this SNS, this 
fight or flight response. Um, because generally speaking, that's going to boost your heart rate and that's going to decrease the time in between heartbeats. Generally speaking, that's going to lower your HRV and raise your heart rate. Conversely, parasympathetic is generally going to lower your heart rate, thereby increasing your HRV. So um, if you have questions on that, let me know. I know it's, you know, if you're not familiar with the cardiovascular system, this can be a little bit confusing. Nonetheless, your HRV is determined by the input of your autonomic nervous system. And we want to be responsive to both the both the rest and digest and the fight or flight response so that our body is quickly flexible for whatever we need it to do physiologically. Okay, so what does a normal, and I'll say normal in air quotes, an average HRV look like? Well, it depends on what source you look at. So first I looked at a source that was like a medical, medical source online. And the range that it gave us was 20 to 29 year olds. This is a compilation of males and females tend to average between 24 to 62, their HRV score. Whereas 60 to 69 year olds tend to average between 16 to 28 for their HRV. And what they said was the average for men was 40 and the average for women was 37. Now those numbers seem pretty good to me because I tend to sit in those ranges. But like I just said, I tend to have what I consider a slightly lower HRV. Um, and then since I wear a whoop, I looked at some of their data and looked at what they indicate is their average for men and women. And there's a big range that they give. But in my mm, anecdotal perception, my experience just watching people, I would suspect that the average for whoop wearers or aura ring wearers tends to be probably slightly higher than the national, like whatever the regular average is. Because generally speaking, the, the individuals that I see wearing those things tend to be more of the fitness forward, health conscious type of people. And what we're going to get into in a little bit is how we can improve our HRV. And if you're, you know, taking a serious look at your health and trying to improve things, well, generally speaking, that's going to improve your HRV. So it doesn't surprise me to see that WHOOP reports a slightly higher average. So of all the WHOOP wearers, they estimate that the HRV score average for men is 65 and for women, 62, a little bit higher than the other ranges. And But what both of these show is that generally speaking, HRV is going to be higher in younger people and lower in older people. And there's a fairly steep curve drop off as we age with the drop in our HRV. And that would make sense because, you know, everything in our body, every system in our body declines with age. The amount of muscle mass that we have declines, our VO2 max or our oxygen carrying and transferring capacity of our, our heart and our cardiovascular system decreases with age. And it takes significant training to maintain these things as we age. And, um, you know, for the people that do that, they probably fight off this steep decline in their HRV. But if you're not doing some specific training to try and improve this, this is a metric just like many other things in our body that is going to decline as we age. And um, what all of these sources recommend though, is not to worry about comparing your HRV to other people. What's more important is looking at the trend. Like if you start wearing a whoop band or you start wearing an aura ring or any other wearable device that's going to be tracking your HRV, you just want to look at the trend 
for yourself because genetics play a role in this. Some people naturally have a higher or a lower HRV than other people. So what you want to look at is just how does your trend change? And are you measuring this? Are you doing changes to your lifestyle to try and improve this metric at all? And what do you see based on the different things that you change? And maybe we'll do another episode on on comparison and how, you know, competing and stuff is not about competing with other people. It's about competing with yourself. And that's that's one thing that I think of with this. Don't worry about what your HRV is compared to other people. We have different lifestyles. We have different training goals. We have different training methodologies. And um, we all take care of ourselves a little bit differently. Of course, there's going to be a major difference in this variable. But if you are measuring your HRV and you want to see that number change, and I'm just looking at a couple notes here that I wrote down. If you want to see that number change, there are several things that you can do about it, right? And this is probably sleep and looking at the intensity of my training is probably the, one of the main two reasons that I started wearing a whoop and got back to wearing the whoop in the first place. So first of all, one of the main ways that you can improve your HRV, we're going to rattle through these, there's about 10 of them, is regular balanced exercise. And when I say balanced, I mean balancing your intensity with your recovery, right? You can't just work out super intense every single day because what will happen after several days is you're likely going to see a hit in your HRV. And there's times and places where that's necessary. But if you do that, you need to give yourself ample time to recover so that your body from a tissue and a body system standpoint can recover from the training that you did. And that's what's going to help build it. Um, also, we talk about zone two training, right? That cardiovascular um, state where, you know, it's conversational pace, but you're having to take some breaths. It's not so intense that you can't have a conversation. And it's not so easy that you're just sitting there going for a very casual walk it is a nice place to be in order to sort of like build the base or raise the floor as far as your HRV goes. Um, secondly, hydration is extremely important. And this isn't necessarily like an exact research scientific thing that I'm about to say, but to me, you don't have to look any farther down the hydration route to understand that it's important with HRV other than the fact that our blood is mostly made up of water, right? And if you're underhydrated, that means that your body is going to have less blood volume in order to circulate to the rest of your body, to the rest of your tissues. And your heart is going to have to work harder to make that happen. Um, electrolytes play a huge role in this, right? So what is going on in our body is very electrical. Our heartbeat is based on electricity, uh, electricity activity and our contractions of our muscles are based on electricity. So making sure we're adequate, adequately hydrated and adequately, mm, you know, we have plenty of electrolytes in our body, things like sodium, potassium, magnesium, um, are going to impact this. This is the one that I think I've been taking a you know, bigger emphasis on over the past year or two is the stress management and mindfulness side of things. And I think this for me might be part of the reason that I tend to sit in the uh, lower HRV range, higher sympathetic drive side of things. But finding ways, whether that's meditation, whether that is journaling, gratitude journaling was one of the things they mentioned, whether that is a a breathing practice that you do, slow, intentional breathing, preferably through the nose, um, 
to try and calm things down, let that parasympathetic system take over a little bit and be very mindful of what we're doing, why we're doing it and how it impacts the way that we feel and perform can really improve our HRV. Generally speaking, people that are lower stressed are going to have a higher HRV and people that are more highly stressed are going to have a lower HRV, right? Okay, so what also falls into that is sleep, especially the quality of our sleep, right? Making sure not just the time, because you could have a long time of highly interrupted, not very quality sleep, and that's not going to drive the number as much as getting good quality sleep. And we've talked about this on this show before, but a couple of things that we can do to impact our quality of our sleep, the top three is set a consistent sleep and wake time schedule to try and help your body get that circadian rhythm back in place. And, you know, the body will know when it's supposed to go to bed and when it's supposed to wake up because you're doing it at the same time every day. Be in a dark and cool environment, right? We're going to talk about natural light exposure in a minute. But when we're trying to sleep, when it's nighttime, we want the absence of light. We want dark exposure. We want to be in a dark environment, whether that's a sleeping mask, whether that's room darkening shades, something that's going to give your body less stimulus, less input so that you can rest. And then the temperature plays into that. We like to keep our bedroom cool here at our house. Um, you know, 65 degrees is often indicated as like the ideal sleeping temperature. So um, if you know, that's a challenge for you and your partner or whoever you're sharing the house or the room with. There are things out there now like cooling pads for beds or you can leave your foot out um, of the covers in order to dispel or spill some heat from the body um, if the other person is too cold or something. So just find ways to make it cool, make it dark and set a consistent sleep and wake time schedule. Well, let's jump to the natural light since I sort of teed that one up. We need to get natural light exposure throughout the day. Guys, a lot of days I work in a basement. I work in a gym that is in a basement, and this is hard to do. Whenever I can find the time, typically over that middle lunchtime kind of day or time of the day, I will try to get upstairs to get a little bit of sunlight on my skin, in my eyes, to let my body get that natural light exposure. Of course, there's vitamin D benefits, that and everything. But really, as it relates to the HRV, it's the circadian rhythm, right? If you could in an ideal world, if you could watch the sun rise and watch the sun set, go above and below the horizon every day, that would be amazing. I know that doesn't work with many of our busy uh, schedules. However, if you could design your day from a light exposure standpoint, the way that would be most optimal, that would be really beneficial to do. Um, what do we got here? Nutrition. So generally speaking, we just want to eat a very balanced whole food based diet. And then back to the sleep quality part, if you can avoid eating a large meal, especially within the last couple hours, three hours or so before bed, that's going to allow you to get a little bit better quality sleep because your body's not going to be trying to digest that. It can just rest and focus on restoring tissues and systems in the body while you're trying to sleep. So make sure you get enough protein, make sure you're getting hydrated enough, make sure you're eating whole foods and, um, and don't eat too close to bedtime if you can help it. If HRV is one of the things that you're worried about trying to improve. We talked about stress management, but one of these sources also talked about work-life balance, which I think can be a controversial topic, but, but generally what they meant by this was, you know, if you can find work or you can do work 
that is meaningful and has purpose to you, that's going to be more beneficial. And I think that makes sense, makes sense from a stress standpoint, right? If we go to work every single day and we're doing something that we hate with people that we don't like, that's going to not do positive things for us from a, from a stress management standpoint, from a mood standpoint. Conversely, if you're doing something that you love every single day and you're around people that you, you enjoy being around, people that lift you up, people that bring you along to a healthy lifestyle as, a po- as opposed to the other way, we could all probably see how that's going to do positive things for our life, positive things for HRV in the way that we feel. So um, I don't necessarily always buy into the fact that like we need to have balance in the terms of the time between our work and our life, because I think our work is part of our life. But again, what we mean is, is what you're doing meaningful to you? Do you feel like you have purpose doing that? And what's the environment like for you? And then uh, last but not least, something that I try to do a few times a week, I don't do it every single day, that can have some impact on the HRV is cold exposure. Think of like cold plunges or ice baths. This is going to stimulate our vagus nerve. Often there's a breathing practice that goes with this because you know you need to just focus on your breathing, calm yourself down. Of course, the water is very cold. Well, what that'll do is that'll stimulate that parasympathetic response because your body is trying to calm itself down. You're trying to calm your mind down. And that can have some positive carryover as far as elevating your HRV goes. Okay. So to summarize this, to wrap this up, you know, focus on if you're going to look at your HRV, generally speaking, a higher number is better than a lower number, but younger people are going to have higher HRVs in general than older people. What's more important is just to focus on the trend for you and not to worry about what your friend's HRV is. Just look at your lifestyle, the factors that are impacting it for you, see where you can make improvements if you want to, and track your trend over the course of several months, right? Whether that's 90 days or six months, whatever that might be. And then again, focus on the lifestyle factors, things like sleep, what you're putting in your body, how you are taking care of your body from a exercise and recovery standpoint, and then what your mental and stress capacity is looking like and how you're managing that. And all of these things can impact our heart rate variability. And then at the end of the day, if you're able to improve your heart rate variability, your body from a cardiovascular and nervous system standpoint is going to be better adapted and better able to physiologically respond to the stimulus that you need at the time that you need it. If you need to really turn it on, your body's going to be ready for it. If you need to be able to relax, calm down, decompress, your body's going to be able to do that. So that's why we look at it. That's why it's important for athletes, non-athletes, parents, non-parents, you name it, right? HRV, like I said, it's a trendy thing. This isn't something we were monitoring, at least to the extent that we are now many years ago, but um, but it's, it's important. So it's something that you could look at as a measure of how your body's doing, how intense you want to train that day. You know, if you need what we'll call like a mental self-care day to kind of de-stress a little bit, whatever that might be. If you have questions on this, please be sure to get a hold of us. We'll be around. My contact information is in the show notes, but I hope you enjoyed this episode on heart rate variability, and we will catch you guys next time on another episode of The Code. Hey guys, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you haven't done so already, man, it would be really, really cool 
And we would appreciate it a lot if you could leave a review on this podcast. We do have a goal of getting the 200 five-star reviews on the code so that we can get this show out to more and more people and impact more and more lives. So scroll to whatever section on whatever podcast platform you're listening to is the review area, drop a five-star review and leave some comments. Thank you so much. Catch you later.